Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Mission Daily. I'm your host, Chad Grills. I'm joined by Ian Faison. What's up, man? Chad, I have a question for you. Shoot. Have you ever taken an IQ test? No. Uh, so the school administered them to us when I was fifth grade, sixth grade, yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that. I think I've done that too. Yeah, they, they had a couple. They, they tried to couch them as, um, oh, you know, we're just seeing where you guys are at, but it's really an IQ test. So that was the only one I took. It, it went well. They had a special like yeah, program, but the program ended shortly thereafter. And I think I took one as a little kid. Yeah. But I definitely have not taken one, nor do I have any interest to. Yeah, that's the thing. I didn't have any interest in taking another one just because I don't, even even way back then, it just felt something really creepy and wrong about a bunch of adults surrounding you and giving you these like tests to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life. So <laughs> speaking uh, <laughs> of that... <laughs> That's what we're talking about today. Yes. Well, it's one of the things. So today's, uh, the first part of this two-part episode today is about the new intelligence test for finding your mission. So this is the uh, first part of our long mini-series. It's not really mini. It's actually pretty long, uh, but it's the first part of our series on finding your mission. This has been the number one reader and audience demanded thing that we cover. So the economy's changing. We all know that there's threats in the world. Uh, AI, machine learning, globalization, these things are all going to erode traditional careers. So the new economy is emerging. Uh, where we're at, we're very lucky that we're kind of at the epicenter of where the new economy is being created out here in Silicon Valley. Um, not saying Silicon Valley has all the answers. They certainly don't. But there are a bunch of really exciting trends and things that are going on here that we'd love to share with all of our listeners um, because they're eye-opening, to say the least. So today specifically, we're talking about, we're setting the stage. Yes. Basically, today's episode is the first part of this. We have to realize what all these old tests and old measures of intelligence were designed to do, and then see if any of these credentials are worth saving or how we should view them. Because if you look at IQ and the SAT um, and traditional credentials in a new light, it points the direction to what the new intelligence test is, uh, and I think in a really cool way. So the question is why? So Daniel Pink said that IQ accounts for... Actually, Max, producer Max in studio right now, what percentage do you think IQ has as a predictor for your career success? Uh, probably like a 5%, 10% chance. Gosh, oh. good guess, Max. fire. Um, yeah, the answer is between four and 10%. So this is this predictor that I think we're all pretty much brought up with that it's ridiculously important. And if you have a super high IQ, then you're going to be do really well in life. Yes. And one, that's not true. And two, there's another test that's equally bad. And this one is way more important to your life. <laughs> and that's the SAT. So these two tests that generally speaking control what I think a lot of people view as intelligence. They set the stage for how people view themselves for basically their entire life. And if these assumptions don't get questioned and really wrestled with, I think a lot of individuals who have everything they need to start building, build a business, literally achieve whatever they want, fall into this trap of thinking that they need to go to college or pick a specific career. And it's just so wrong that it's not even funny. So Do you we remember to, what you got on the SAT? It doesn't matter. You're not supposed to answer. I I don't. And, uh, you know, they changed how the, I know. the yeah, but, um, 
But yeah, I mean, the SAT is, I would say, even worse because there's a certain portion of IQ that it's it's good to have a high general quotient intelligence. It's good to have a, a high IQ, but it's by no means sufficient to achieve something great. So it, yeah, it's, it's really easy to fall in that trap that if you don't have the right college degree or a high GPA, that you're going to have a hard time finding your mission or meaning or making money in a way that makes you feel good at night and that makes you proud to share with your family and friends. Um, and that's yeah, just not the case. So Daniel Goleman is a really interesting researcher who's done a lot of work studying emotional intelligence. And he's written books by that name and others. And he has basically showed that emotional intelligence is what you need to focus on. And emotional intelligence is only created and built through interacting with other people and having real experiences in the real world, um, getting your feelings hurt, but generally um, getting, yeah, having some adversity in the real world. And these old measures and these old intelligence tests set people up for failure in many different ways. I think the biggest way that they set up people for failure is that um, all these old tests are predicated on the idea that your abilities are fixed. And there's a great book called Mindset by Carol Dweck, uh, right down the road at Stanford. And in that book, she basically says there's two mindsets. You can have a growth mindset where you can improve and your capabilities, your abilities are generally limitless and you can explore them. Or you can think that everything is fixed. And everything that is fixed um, is the SAT, is uh, IQ. And the new measures for intelligence, that's where it gets really exciting because these are um, just brand new things. So, oh, and then, so the third piece of this triumvirate is GPA. Love it. Yes. Right. So you have grades. You have this uh, measurement of how well you can be coerced. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Some some grades are are good, but I think the majority of them generally just measure your ability to be coerced and do route yeah memorization. But but I think that it's important to like look at all three of these things and how they work together. IQ is something that potentially allows people to take this test and quote unquote like see if they're intelligent, which is BS, right? 100% BS. So SAT is just something that schools are using, they need a measure to test everybody at one time and say, hey, are you going to put in the work to learn how to do this test? Because if you're going to do that, plus your GPA, then you're probably going to be a pretty decent student. It's a a great measurement. And that's a great measure. That's that's a great measurement of that. Yes, it's not All, a call to tear these down entirely. Sorry, I'm, yeah, no, I'm no, no. It. But it's not not a call to tear any of these down entirely. But it is a call to view them in a completely new light, and it's a call to iterate them and improve them. Because I think so many times we get trapped into thinking uh, that this is how good something can be, but we don't know how good the new thing or how good that iterating on it could could become. And so the reason why it's so valuable to look at now at this point in our lives is because it has zero predictability. So. Um, Laszlo Block, who is the, he's the CEO of his own company now, but he was the head of people, SVP of people operations at Google for a long, 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 long time. And what they found is that GPA has zero predictive ability to see who are going to be the all-stars, to see who are going to be the most talented people. Zero. There's no correlation at all. So if we're looking this as a society, and I think there's a little bit of we as humans, I think, want to understand them very complex. So, hey, if you have a number that is higher, then wow. But here's another. This is a quick aside. Yeah. Why do we have over a 4.0? It, 
is this the dumbest thing in the history oh, it's of the so world? Confusing, especially like, because grades are subject to inflation. So if you look at the most commonly given grade at, uh, say, Stanford, again, is uh, is an A. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. The second most commonly oh, received I, grade well, that's is, the whole, is a B. <laughs> it's like, that's the whole um, That's and, the whole joke with Stanford is once you get in, you're going to graduate. <laughs> like, uh, shout out how, to Stanford. Yeah, that's but, how elite nightclubs work. And um, but and I, I mean, I say that in jest because there are research departments and researchers there that are still doing tremendous work that's really, really valuable. Uh, it's just that's what happens when your organization or institution gets so big is you inevitably get uh, parts that need to be replaced or updated or whatever. And so here's a good way of looking at growth mindset versus like a fixed mindset. Growth mindset doesn't get into Stanford or Harvard or Yale or whatever. And they're like, doesn't matter. I'm going to be great no matter what. Fixed mindset is there's, you know, whatever, 28,000 undergrads at Stanford. And if I am not, if I don't go to Stanford, I will not be successful. Well, guess what? <laughs> Sergey, uh, Sergey Brin from Google didn't get at MIT. UMD. <laughs> went to University of Maryland yeah. uh, and then, you know, went to his backup school for grad school. It doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter. And your GPA doesn't either. Yes. That doesn't mean, and and the final piece on this, your GPA doesn't matter because learning is what is important. Your yes. cognitive ability is the most important thing. And segueing into Laszlo Block and Google and all these other companies, and we could just go down the list, whether it's like Khan Academy or Palantir or any, any of these companies that are doing fascinating work, creating real technology that's solving real problems. They are not looking for where you went to school, uh, GPAs or anything like that. Like we've, we've seen this firsthand, which is why we're so passionate about. I think that people think that these are just rare cases that happen on the fringes now, when in reality uh, out here, this is common practice. And whether it's Lazo Black, like a direct quote from him saying that for every job, the number, this is when he was formerly at Google doing all the hiring, basically. And for those of you who aren't familiar with it, uh, I think Google has 55,000 people right now, and they're generally trying to hire about 10,000 people a year. <laughs> so they are highly incentivized to find some systems uh, and ways to hire that are um, just innovative. So to, conti to continue with this quote, <laughs> sorry, I can't talk. Um, for every job, the number one thing we look for is general cognitive ability. It's not IQ, it's learning ability. It's the ability to process on the fly. It's the ability to pull together disparate bits of information. So as a, a CEO of a company and when we're hiring, I'm hiring or you're hiring, Ian, this is something that is like a breath of fresh air when you're talking to a candidate that you, know, you give them a test assignment or the first assignment and they can encounter all the small pieces of uncertainty along the way and make the best decision as they go. That's, I mean, nothing is more exciting than that ability to process on the fly and make decisions under opacity. So making decisions when you don't have all the information. And the reason why talent leaders struggle with this is because it's really, really hard. So yeah. what Google did back in the day, which they became famous for, and Laszlo Block has written about this at length, is they had all of these crazy tests. So they oh, yeah, you would come in ball, uh, and it would be like, how, yeah, how many jelly beans could you fit into this jar? And then they would like gauge your ability to, you know, to answer this question, right? Oh, mental math. Yeah. The, the funny <laughs> thing is they were completely wrong. <laughs> they had that also had zero predictive ability, right? Yeah. So it's, it's just like grades. It measures how much you want to prepare for that specific for thing. that specific <laughs> test. Right. So the so the thing that's so interesting about that is they did all this work to create this test. The thing that was valuable about the test 
is that it got really interesting people to want to apply. Yes. So yeah. the actual, the utility of it, it didn't actually have any predictive ability on the talent. But people who were talented, who did not want to be measured by, oh, I have a 3.7 GPA, or oh, I went to this school, or oh, I went to that school, or oh, this is my IQ, are like, I could probably solve that in a really cool way. And then those people applied to the to the company. Yeah, I think that's a fun example of unintended consequences. And it's a great example of why planning is important. So we talked earlier about Andy Grove, a famous Silicon Valley you know, technology leader. And he was really famous for um, basically like he, he followed all of these. And it's how he was able to build and stay CEO and take revenues from, I think, 150 million to 20 billion or something crazy like that. Um, and then just real quick too, I, there's this quote from the Seam Taleb that sums up a lot of what we're talking about. And Taleb says, I suspect the IQ, SAT, and school grades are tests designed by nerds so they can get high scores in order to call each other intelligent. Smart and wise people who score low on IQ tests or patently intellectually defective ones like George W. Bush who score high on them are testing the test and not the reverse. What a... Like that's a crazy, yeah. complicated, hilarious, but true. Yeah. Quote. And, and Nassim definitely, you know, shots fired at everybody on that, <laughs> which is his, which is his, his thing. His MO. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of interesting things out there is who is creating the test and what are they testing for? Yes. Right. If you, if the people who are making that, so there's an old, uh, there's an old military adage that the generals will never change the way that you get promoted in the military because they got promoted under that system. So yes. how could it be wrong? Right. So it's the same sort of thing. If the people who have really IQs are creating the high IQs are creating the IQ test. There's a lot of ego investment that goes into wanting to call yourself like better than someone else or put yourself on a scale. Like it's the second you start creating a hierarchy, ego becomes involved. And this I'm is, not saying ego or hierarchies are bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I am saying it's something we got to be cognizant of. And this is just another whether it's statistics or whether it's in sports or whether it's whatever. If there's one number that's the most important, I guarantee you there's so many things that go into that one number that it's definitely not the most important. And people have tried so for so long to quantify things in a simple, easy way. And the answer is it's really hard. So whether it's GPA, whether it's uh, you know any, any of these type of things, putting them all together as one big number of like, oh, this is how smart the person is, is BS and nobody should subscribe to it. No. And there's much more exciting things to look at, which is not what people say or not how people perform when they're being measured on their performance in a, a small time window, but looking what people do over a longer time horizon. That's where you get into great things because you can start to demonstrate an individual's uh, courage and individual's ability to, you know, how quickly do they learn? Because if you hang out with someone over the course of a couple of months or something, you can see how quickly they learn and process on the fly. Uh, and then the second thing that Laszlo Block cited that was basically the second most important thing that they looked for at Google is leadership. So that particularly means um, they were looking to what they call emergent leadership as opposed to traditional leadership. They view traditional leadership as uh, were you the president of a chess club or any number of clubs that you could join in your university and not actually go to the meetings, but say you were <laughs> a part of after that. And they say, you know, were you the price vice president of sales at this company? Uh, how quickly did you get there? That's the traditional type of leadership questions that Laszlo Block and the hiring teams at Google just stopped caring about. Uh, what they did care about was when you're faced with a problem and you're a member of a team, what do you do? 
And at the appropriate time, do you step in and lead? So with a lot of these companies out here, they have much flatter hierarchical and organizational structures. So it's not like everybody has a direct manager. Um, There's going to be a lot of interaction with, say, the team leader or the CEO or whoever the case is. Um, So that emergent leadership that they're looking for is when the appropriate time comes up, do you question authority? Do you bring up something really important that might save the company or the individual from making a really bad mistake? Um, And do you step back at the right time as well? So do you, you know, test out stepping up and leading and then, you know, have it go to your head and become a bit megalomaniacal? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Don't think I've said that out loud before. Um, or do you step back at the appropriate times as well? I mean, it, these are these sound simple, but actually pulling them out of an individual or encouraging an individual to pursue these, you know, things like emergent leadership in the real world. That's that's a bit tougher. So. And this isn't to say that being like president of the chess club is not good in its own way for something totally different. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you're a great leader, but it does show that at least you volunteer for things and at least you like take on responsibility. So it's a good measure of something. It might not be a good measure of leadership, yes. but it is a good measure yeah. of like initiative, for example. And there's a um, Steve Blank, who's a Silicon Valley legend and built like seven companies and um, just all around really interesting guy. So Steve is famous for saying that when he was in the Air Force, he volunteered for every single thing he could do. He was like, I wanted to be, which is not a very common military thing. Typically, it's about avoiding. Yeah, but that's that's a very good predictor of someone who wanted to learn really, really fast. That's somebody who's volunteering for emergent leadership opportunities again and again and again. So that's such a good example. Um, Um, And then I think another thing just with leadership and, and we're going to do an episode on leadership in the in the far future, probably a lot of them. But one of the things that I think is really interesting, leaders now, there's so much responsibility to sift through technology to figure out how to way to improve your team communication, your efficiency, your work ethic. That is not something that you could predict, right? Like that, how would you, how would you predict that? Well, if you were interviewing that person and you were saying, how do you use technology to improve your team? Like that would be a really good question to ask and a way to think about, or that they could think about those things. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely uh, a great point. I think trying to sum this up into some of the uh, final ways that people can start to think about this and. Um, really start to dissolve any of the uh, mental chains that some of these old paradigms might be, um, you know, basically weighing on people. Because I know, speaking from personal experience, these old paradigms and measurements and things like that, I mean, they they were uh, crushing weights on me for a really long time. So I was not good in a, uh, I was not good or interested in getting good grades. Um, so I'm, you know, speaking from the experience of uh, being in a broken system. So the big parts here are basically to look for, um, you know, if you're hiring or if you're trying to break into any of these companies or anything like that, these companies are looking for, can you do deep work? So how well are you at getting out of being uh, in distraction or reactionary mode and getting yourself into a flow state, which is basically a peak state where you start to lose track of time. There's a bunch of research about this. I'm, I'm sure most of the people listening have heard about flow states, but it's basically like when you're in the zone, when you can't miss, uh, are you able to carve your schedule out in such a way that you have time for this every single day um, to basically work or learn without distractions or both. 
Um, another thing is like, how well do you operate in distributed teams? So Amazon is famous for having their two person teams and basically, you know, two person pizza teams where each team could be fed with a single pizza. And that's um, because group projects are not <laughs> when you do group projects in school or university, that's not how things actually get accomplished in business. So those are two things. Um, some of the extra ones are just basically like, you know, do you prefer leadership over management and starting to think about leadership as being like management with just less coercion? Leadership is all about positive mimesis. How do you inspire positive mimicry? Whereas management is much more about coercion. So yeah, just some extra ways to think about this. And so if we're going to have a, if we're going to kind of say, well, all of these different measures of, you know, IQ and GPA and your grades and all of that aren't the best measures, well, then what is? So what is the new intelligence test? The new intelligence test is... These are three very. There's three variables that go into this that I've found are really really helpful. I thought we're doing this, this next episode. We are, but we're gonna we're gonna tease it right now. Okay, this is what they. Call I was teasing. That's what, what they, I was doing. I think this is what they call a cliffhanger in okay. the biz. That's I was doing the cliffhanger. <laughs> the new intelligence test is. We'll see you next show. <laughs>